So we're here at Global Reach at Manchester and we're doing a series of podcasts. We're delighted to have Tom Sampson here with us today. He's presented at the conference and now he's going to give us a bit of a, a further background himself and a bit more insight into his journey. So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Adam. Uh, firstly, we would like to hear a bit about what's happening now. You know, you're here today with Guardian Power. What is Guardian Power? Give us an introduction to who they are. Well, today I've been talking about my new company that I've just set up, Guardian Power, which is been created really to fill a gap in the market. There's a lot of technologies that are out there that are trying to solve carbon-free energy solutions, SMRs, advanced reactors, um, and I'm really passionate about nuclear new build and, and still trying to find a solution that will be sustainable for the UK in nuclear new build. And so I've set up Guardian Power to try and create a bridge between those various technology solutions that are out there on the SMR and AMR end of the spectrum and the need for clean energy. So Guardian Power is, I'm hoping, going to become a developer uh, of those technologies and become the developer to build them, to own them, to operate them, to sell that clean energy. So a, like a mini new gen, but focused on SMR and advanced reactors, but also with a really key focus to drive a maximum UK content component. We've got the potential in this country to manufacture more than we currently do. And if we can exploit that potential and allow this new technology to come through with a UK manufacturing presence in new factories that can be built, then I think we've really created a lot of advantages across the, uh, across the economy for uh, finding opportunities to take advantage of the economic prospects in the energy transition to net zero by 2050. Fantastic. So all of what you're saying aligns very closely to what's been said throughout most of today's presentations. Has there been any moments or any key parts of today that you've that you've picked out from other people's presentations that really resonated with you? I think there's been a common theme today and it's it kind of goes back to the the basis of the Beck Business Cluster. I mean you and Mohammed are part of the Beck Business Cluster. That really is all about collaboration, networking, partnerships, and that theme has come across today in most of the conversations that have been taking place, both from the stage and the speakers and on the side discussions as well, that really the, the need for the industry is to find ways to collaborate and find solutions. We've done a lot of talking, there's always opportunities to talk, but we're going to try and find collaboration forums where we can actually get stuff done. And I think that's been the real kind of key for me in, in this, this room is today has been the need for that focus on collaboration and getting stuff done. I mean, the, the, the guy here from Bayes made the point today that don't wait for the government to lead, and that's a good signal. We shouldn't wait. We should try and find the solutions yeah. as industry, with partnerships, and find a way forward. But at some point, the government has to provide the support and the framework that will then enable that collaboration to come forward and manifest itself in actual projects and outcomes and delivery. So that's where I hope the government can, can play a role. But yeah, it's absolutely... Uh, evident today that there is a desire for collaboration across the regions of all the UK, not just in Cumbria, that we can work together to try and deliver something. And that's where I'm really keen to try to collaborate with those key stakeholders across the industry that want to get something done. Uh, we've spent a long time uh, treading water on the nuclear new build space in the UK, and we haven't got time to keep doing that. We've got to try and turn a lot of this dialogue and discussion into real actions and get these projects built. What do you think about the nuclear new build? And I understand the Guardian Power is working um, to make progress with the new build, uh, specifically SMR and AMR. So what do you think about the future of SMR and AMR and how it can be um, a good hotspot hot for Cumbria? Yeah, I think nuclear new build 
I look from the experiences at New Gen, and if you look across the across the water to Anglesey and Horizon, the challenges there have been. There's been a huge amount of investment, a huge amount of momentum, but at the end of the day, it didn't result in actual progress. And I think that that's affected trust and confidence that new build can be done in the UK. We've still got progress being made, thankfully, at Hinkley, and the government are now trying to introduce new solutions on the funding side with regulated asset-based funding model. That's all very positive. But I think we've got to try and move to a place where we can actually restore that trust and confidence that nuclear needs to be done and needs to be delivered as part of this new build agenda. The signals are there. The need for significant elements of nuclear in the energy mix to get towards net zero by 2050 is obvious. So whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 gigawatts, you can hear all these numbers mentioned. They're all huge numbers. And we're a long way from even the lowest of those numbers. And so it's really important that we think of ways to deliver nuclear new build smarter and more innovatively. And that's where I think SMR and advanced reactors can come into this. They're much smaller, lower capital, the modularization de-risks, the construction risk. If we can get a throughput through new factories and manufacturing volumes of these reactors at scale, that will drive down the cost significantly. And we can really start to realize this ambition of a sustainable new build environment where there's multiple sites with multiple technologies, with factories creating the reactors and the components in the UK at a cost that is really, really quite compelling and competitive as we move towards that net zero target of 2050. And it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, like we've seen on renewables. They've reduced the costs of wind power by replication of design and build and repeat and repeat, repeat of the same design. We want to be able to do that in nuclear, and the easiest way to replicate in nuclear is to go down the SMR and advanced reactor route because they're smaller, and you can build more of them, and that repeatability can then be realised much more quickly by adopting a smaller reactor in the UK. Yeah, I think what's key is that we're going to need a bit of everything, really, a bit of sort of large-scale nuclear and yeah. SMR and AMR and renewables, of course, to, because these, these challenges that have been set for 2050 and net zero, they're so ambitious that it's going to require a bit of everything to even get anywhere near it, I think. Absolutely, and we've got to move away from the, the criticisms of alternatives. As you say, there's a role to play for all the technologies. Renewables have a role to play, an important role to play, and we should exploit all the renewable capacity we can in the UK. Nuclear, we're in a very privileged position in the UK to have a very, very credible, capable and deep industrial capability. And it's really important that we fully utilise that in contributing new build towards the Net Zero 2050 agenda. So for the SMR or the new build, uh, I understand the mass production will reduce the cost significantly. Just trying to understand in terms of UK, is there any challenge for the SMR you think at the moment or what obstacles or what are the challenges to overcome in near future to see the bright light end of the tunnel? Yeah, no, there are huge challenges still, Mohammed, and I think that's key. Even though we're dealing with the small end of the spectrum, it should be more digestible and more achievable with this lower capital costs. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about multi-billion pound projects, two billion, three billion, four billion. That's still a significant amount of capital. So the financing of these projects still remains a challenge. Now, the financing options might be much wider and more varied because of the scale is lower, but that's still a huge challenge. I think the other challenge is that trust and confidence that I mentioned before, because for investors to invest in this technology, they've got to know there's a sustainable journey 
for investors to to invest in the manufacturing facilities and the factories to build new reactors in this country, they've got to know they're doing it for more than just one project. And so that trust and confidence has got to be manifest in the commitment and the journey towards net zero that includes committed, demonstrable level of nuclear in that process. And we've had the conversations over the last 10 years about 16 gigawatts of nuclear new build. That was always an aspirational number that the government had put out there. There was nothing committing them to nuclear. And even today, we've set net zero as a legally binding commitment by 2050 to reduce carbon from the economy. And yet the actions to back that up are not evident. So we've got to try and translate the conversations, the targets, the numbers into demonstrable action that can then restore trust and confidence that this is actually really going to happen. Yeah, of course. And I suppose as well as the finance side of things that the whole name Guardian suggests, as you mentioned in your presentation, stewardship. You have to get communities on board with these programmes, otherwise it's not going to work as well. So that's, of course, what you talked about in the presentation as well. Just to move on then, Tom, um, from SMRs and AMRs, even though I'm sure you love them, a bit about you as well, because people obviously know you from Newgen, uh, you're a sort of known figure. Where did it all start for you and kind of how have you got to where you got to today? Well, I grew up in uh, Kirkcaldy, in Fife, on the east coast of Fife, um, um, and that's where I went to school. Uh, my, my father was a welder, um, and my mother was a, was a home builder and, and worked in the local supermarket. Uh, and before my dad, my granddad worked in the pit. He was a miner, so and he was really keen that his son, my father, didn't work in the pit. It was a tough, tough environment. No, you're digging coal, you're underground and under the sea. It's not an easy place to, to, to carve out a career. And so my dad, my dad uh, ended up becoming a tradesman as a welder and he ended up working all over the world in various locations. I was the first in my family to go to university and when I made the choice about what to study, I, I was thinking economics, law, accountancy and I actually had a you know, pretty good skill with physics and maths and energy just resonated because it was one of those things that, well, that's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be a need for energy. There's always going to be a need for different forms of energy. And I felt that if you embark on a career in energy, the options might be much more varied and widespread than, say, accounting or, or economics. So I went to Napier University in Edinburgh, or Napier Polytechnic as it was then, and studied energy engineering. Um, and then within that program, there was the six-month industrial placement. And I chose to do mine in, Al in Alstom in France, uh, where they make the TGV and also gas turbines and uh, power equipment. So I worked in the power department there as a young stagiaire, as they're called in France, trainee back in 1989. And then I got grad sponsored for my final year at university by GC Alstom, as it was then. And then I went to work in Trafford Park in Manchester after I graduated. Um, and that got me involved in engineering uh, power plants but then it was mainly gas fired power plants and we were doing the dash for gas across the UK when I was involved in the bidding and the tendering for a whole range of different gas fired power plants at Connors Quay, Little Barford, Barking Reach uh, with the 9FA technology from GE that was part of the partnership with GC Alstom but I did get my first experience of nuclear in that period. I spent three months at Daya Bay in China in 1991 as a trainee it was part of my graduate training program on site site experiences, and I, and I loved it. And then you were hooked in nuclear. Well, that was it. Took a long time to for that seed to germinate because it was probably another twenty five years before I, I then became really involved in nuclear because I was mainly involved in in gas fire plants and other projects. 
I, when I became a chartered engineer, I then left GC Alstom and joined the Japanese trading company called Marubeni Corporation. Uh, many of you in the industry might know them. They're a fuel supplier. They're here today, in fact, and I've seen some uh, friends from Tokyo today that I haven't seen for about 15 years. That They're are, also one of our overseas members, actually. Right, right, well, that's fantastic. They're great guys. Um, and so that experience with Marubeni took me from being an engineer and a project engineer to being a project manager. And eventually, as Marubeni got more involved in investing in power facilities, I was part of the team that was part of that growth. And we started investing equity, Japanese equity, into power projects. And I was part of that uh, growth. And when I started in 1995 with Marubeni, we didn't have any equity investment. And by the time I left in 2000 and uh, 2010, they had about 30,000 megawatts globally uh, of gross megawatts involved in projects where they'd invested equity and had become the, the developer and the owner and the operator of a range of assets. So that was great learning experience. Uh, the highlight of that journey with Marabeni for me was when we bid for the Tawila project in Abu Dhabi, which was a, a, a privatization of an existing desalination plant, 1,000 megawatts and 100 million gallons a day of desal. Uh, we had JVIC financing and we worked very closely with PV Power on how to optimise that asset as we doubled the capacity and we were successful in that bid. And then uh, Marabeni asked me if I would be prepared to move to Abu Dhabi from, uh, I was living in New York at the time, uh, with my uh, young family and, and run the project after we were successful and uh, I took them up on that. I was only, I think only 34 at the time, only 36. And it was a $3 billion project with JVIC Finance and, and five equity investors. Um, and then I had the responsibility of doubling that plant capacity and halving the workforce and improving the performance to reach availability levels of you know, early 90% availability to maximise the revenues. Uh, so that was a real you know, great so experience. Being yeah. very sort of thrown into a lot of responsibility at only mid-30s and I've been asked to transform a business really exactly mm. and that's when i got first uh, involved in abu dhabi because that was a project in abu dhabi and on the board of uh, tawila was a young uh, emirati guy called muhammad al hamadi who's now the ceo of enec and he's the one who got me involved with enec when it finally got up and running in abu dhabi uh, and i went back to work for muhammad in 2012 as a chief operating officer uh, at enec on that program and spent four extremely enjoyable years great team great project great place to live uh, I really enjoyed working with the Emiratis and the various nationalities that were involved in that project and the Koreans who were building it. Um, and, and you know, Jamie was reflecting on what was done in the early days of Calder Hall and Sellafield in nine years when they set up the uh, facilities there. In the last 10 years, the UAE has built 5,500 megawatts worth of reactors uh, and are now waiting to get the license to load fuel on uh, what is a regional transformational project for the nuclear industry. I was offered the opportunity to come back to Cumbria. My wife is Cumbrian. And so when the opportunity came to come back to Nugen, um, I jumped at it. Um, and being the CEO of a new build in your own country was quite a privilege. Um, and I, I was always jealous that Mohammed was able to be the CEO of a <laughs> large project in his own country. So that's uh, I was keen to follow in his footsteps at NewGen. Swapping the deserts to the hills of the exactly, latest Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and I had a great time at NewGen and we had a great team there. And the, probably the biggest regret for me at NewGen was not being able to fulfill and deliver on that economic potential for West Cumbria. Now we talked a lot about that, what it meant to the community in West Cumbria, 
Um, and the fact that we weren't able to deliver on that is, is one of the biggest regrets. Uh, but I'm now looking more positively forward towards uh, the opportunities that Guardian Power can bring forward. And certainly West Cumbria is part of that landscape for Guardian Power as well as the other sites in the UK. And I hope it one day to fulfil that promise and bring some economic activity over to West Cumbria. I would just ask, uh, I had a, a very nice and incredible story of your early life. Uh, just wondering to know you as a person, uh, what is what do you like to do most? Like, is it in your hobby or in your leisure time? For me, my leisure time is really spent with family, uh, with my kids. I've got two kids. They're growing up fast and catching time with them is becoming harder and harder the older they get. So for me, family time, whether it's a family meal, whether it's a trip away, whether it's a holiday, whether it's a weekend away, whether it's finding time to play nine holes of golf with my son, even though he can probably play as well as me and he's only 13, it's still, uh, still good quality time together. So that's for me is really the, the, the key is family time uh, at home and, and just kind of charging the batteries and, and hanging out at home with the kids and the wife. So Tom, just thinking about um, what you've learned across your career, for me as a West Cumbrian, I, I also knew Jen as a very good partner in the community and you were very respected as far as I'm concerned. Obviously a shame that the project didn't go ahead, um, but what would you say you've learnt from your time at New Gen? What knowledge will you take into future ventures going forward? Well, I think that was one of the things that I learned the most from, because that's actually one of the most hardest things to deliver when you're looking at projects like we were at New Gen or any kind of large uh, economic project in a community, is how do you make sure the community can benefit? And that's actually in lots of ways more difficult than building a nuclear power plant. It's mechanics, it's physics, it's tangible. Create an opportunity and economic prosperity in the communities where you're delivering large projects and opportunity and infrastructure is very difficult um, and it's less tangible. So that's what I learned the most. And I, I learned from uh, working with uh, the folks on Copeland Borough Council about what was important to them. Um, and I learned a lot. We spent some time with Lord Andrew Mawson, who was involved in the legacies around the London Olympics in 2012. And it's amazing how much of that is translatable to a community in West Cumbria. And then we worked with him on the Well North programme, which I think is still going on with, uh, with Well Whitehaven in, in West Cumbria. Uh, and people like Hazel Bleers, who have been champions and pioneers of sustainability and, and social good uh, from a corporate perspective. And we worked a lot on how we should do that properly properly at NewGen. Again, the regret being we didn't get a chance to fully realise all of that. But if you saw today, I talked about guardian themes or guardians of the climate. And one of them was guardians of communities and being a guardian of the community in which you're delivering your business and relying on that economy to support you as a company, but also you're creating opportunity there is very important to me. And I think that hopefully will live through in how we deliver guardian power, those legacy benefits, the economic opportunity, how you engage in a way that creates aspirational uh, outlooks, how you engage in a way that empowers those communities to take advantage of the economic opportunities that are coming forward. That's what really excites me. And that it also ties in to the investment challenge for nuclear new build in this space, because meeting those environmental, social and governance criteria, the ESG investment principles, no, it's important that you get that legacy and sustainability and local economic benefit right because that shows that you've got the caring attitude to deliver those benefits at the same time as you're delivering a, an important project and creating a, a, a transformational project. And so it is, it is integral to this for me. It's not, it's not an add-on and it's not a corporate tick. It's actually integral to how you turn up how you engage with the community and how you create prosperity in those economic areas where you're actually most active. Fantastic, yeah. And as I say, 
I, I always saw that with new gen, so I'm sure that will continue with the rest of Guiding Power and the other ventures, I'm sure. Um, just to bring it to the sort of a final question then, it's on a similar theme, but it's one that we like to end with on these podcasts. Um, what of our audiences for these podcasts is going to be people that are just starting their careers, perhaps they're 18, they're 20, either just come out of university or just about to go. Um, if you could rewind to that point in your life, what one piece of advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I think the key thing that resonates with me, if I look back at that and think, right, what advice would I give myself? I, I think I'd say don't be afraid to fail. No, be brave. I, I took lots of advantages of the opportunities that were afforded me and I, I travelled a lot. This is my first entrepreneurial endeavour in setting up Guardian Power. And, I've, and I'm not afraid, not afraid to fail. That's what's given me the, the impetus to do this. And I, I think that, that it manifests itself, whether you've got an opportunity to apply for a different job, take a career opportunity that might involve changing location or moving to a different part of the country or even going overseas. Or if you, if you think there's an opportunity that is not yet being fulfilled, but you've got a business idea and it requires bravery to pursue it, don't be afraid to fail. Because even if you fail, you'll still learn something from that process. You'll become stronger and more, more capable just from having gone on the journey. And you'll still be valuable in the commodity in the marketplace when it comes to other opportunities. So don't be afraid to fail. Put yourself out there. Be brave. Take advantage of the opportunities that are coming up. And for this next generation that's coming forward, those opportunities are going to be huge. This climate change is like an emergency. It's critical. But it's also a huge opportunity to do things differently, to create value, and to find different ways of working. And that's where if you're 18, 19, 20, looking at your career... Be flexible because there's a huge potential out there. Really good advice actually that, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. Um, obviously, best of luck in the new venture of Guardian Power. Thanks for joining us here today at Global Reach. And uh, yeah, just thank you for your time. Mohammed, Adam, thank you very much. Thank Great you very to be much. back in Cumbria.